0: You are Locked On Celtics, your daily Boston Celtics podcast here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. I'm so hype right now. Anything's possible. I'm oh
1: my mama. I'm oh my mama, baby, man. Anything's possible. Yeah. Oh! Jay's back with the vengeance back. All the real Celtics fans in attendance. Oh! This is the truth, like 34. Yeah. This It's like walking in the garden when you hear the roars Welcome back to the Locked On Celtics
0: Podcast. Thank you for joining us, making us part of your daily routine, whatever you're doing, car, gym, skipping out on work, maybe just listening as you do whatever it is that you do for work. I want to thank you for making this show a part of your day. I'm John Corrales. I cover the Boston Celtics for MassLive.com. Today, I'm going to share a little something different because the Celtics were off on Wednesday, and there's really nothing to talk about except for everybody took their kids to Disney. That's really all that happened. So, with a lack of anything new and newsworthy, I'm gonna share a radio appearance I made on WEEI. It was late night with Patrick Gilroy. Uh, You can follow him on Twitter at Gilroy on Hoops. We talked for about 25 minutes, which is why I'm sharing the entire thing and making that part of the podcast. Because we got into some different things, things that we haven't really talked about here on this show. I was asked about Brad Stevens' job security, which is an interesting start to the whole thing. And then from there, we progressed through some other topics, uh, including uh, Javante Green, a taco fall, uh, some of the topics that everybody wants to talk about and some other things here uh, along the way that were interesting and new. So it's me on the radio. So you'll hear me as like a calling in type of thing. It's going to sound different, but I thought it was interesting. And like I said, with the lack of newer things, anything new happening, no practice, no nothing. I thought this would be an interesting thing to share. So here's my appearance
1: on WEEI and joining me on the phone right now uh nba beat guy celtics beat guy from masslive.com you guys know him from the locked on celtics podcast you probably used to know him from reds com. he's all over the place but now doing his thing exclusively with uh dot com. my good friend john corrales john welcome back to the program here on sports radio wei Happy to be back now that basketball is back. It's always a good sign when uh, you guys start coming out of the woodwork. uh, The podcast really increases. (laughs) You know, there's a certain group of Celtics guys that over the last week or ten days, John, the visibility has sort of gone through the roof, and I I can't get enough of it.
0: Yeah, it's it's fun. Like we had so much uh, downtime where we're still trying to pump out content, but it was all like theoretical crap, and now we actually have like. A basketball game to look at and practices to talk about and and now we're starting to see people like do things well and make mistakes, and now we can start reacting to things, so it's great, it's nice to see, yeah,
1: it's exciting, and look you know we'll get we'll get right into it here, and you know i I asked Nick Fryer something, and the first thing he said before he answered. He said, you got to ask John that question. So before we get into all of our analysis of the Celtics and the NBA and what our expectations are for this year, the good, the bad, all of it, uh, I'll ask you the same thing that I asked Nick. And it's a pretty simple question, but based off of what we saw last year and the Celtics not you know, living up to expectations, regardless of who you want to blame, uh, if the Celtics... You know, essentially, I hate asking this, but if the Celtics fail to accomplish what? So if the Celtics fail to win or accomplish what? Brad Stevens should lose his job. So fill in the blank. You know what do, What's this team's minimum threshold for Brad Stevens' job to be safe at the end of this season?
0: Um, I feel like his job is pretty much safe uh, no matter what, but um, – i I would say that everything would need to go wrong, like literally everything like he would you would have to completely lose control of this team that um, none of the guys get along that everybody's playing selfish uh, that um, the team is losing games like winnable games like it would have to be blatantly obvious and so i i just don't see any of that happening um and I, more not just because i think brad stevens can hold it together but i, I don't think those are the types of guys that this team uh, is is made of so um yeah I, I think it it would take an unmitigated disaster for brad stevens to lose his job
1: this season and john the reason the reason why i ask is because you know, you've got a certain percentage of, of Celtics fans out there that uh, all too willingly and easily sort of want to point all the blame on last year on the shoulders of, uh, of Kyrie Irving and Terry Rozier. And while they certainly deserve a, a, a decent portion of the blame for what went wrong last year, you know, you also have the, the voices out there that like to say that, you know, Brad had a hard time with Rondo. I don't necessarily find that factual, but that's a, that's a narrative out there. And then Brad had a hard time with Kyrie Irving, you know they sort of expect Brad to have a hard time with Kemba Walker, and, and you know if, if Brad goes zero for three with legit stars in the NBA, guys that have got star, healthy star type egos, then does this team have a bigger problem moving forward? Having a coach on the bench that's unable to effectively communicate with the guys that have the biggest egos in the league? Um,
0: I don't know that Kemba fits that mold. But, yeah, that's the criticism right now. Like, if there's one knock on on Brad Stevens, it's that he hasn't been able to break through the guys who don't subscribe to his approach. Like, I think the most telling thing about Brad Stevens coming into this season was when I asked him on media day what the lessons were, his answer was uh, the things that I believed about basketball – uh, have been reinforced, some something like that. I forget the exact quote. And to me, that told me that uh, last year, some things maybe kind of got away from him. And in fact, when I asked Jalen Brown about Brad Stevens' growth, he said that in four years here, everything's been pretty consistent except for last season in terms of approach. So last season, somehow, some way, there was some sort of compromise. I don't know exactly what. I don't know exactly to, which to, to what degree, but there was some level of compromise from Brad Stevens, and it's pretty obvious that it has to do with Kyrie. You know, megastar type of attitude, superstar player, a contract year, uh, all of that stuff. There are concessions that, that tend to be made in those situations. I think Brad Stevens came into this year kind of like, no, none of that anymore. You either buy in or forget it. And so I think that's kind of where they are. And I think Kemba Walker is a buy-in kind of guy, even though he's been a star. Thirteen all-nba like he's been like he's very very appreciative of his opportunity to play for the boston celtics like if he won 49 games this year it'd be the best season of his career so i think i think the stars have aligned a little bit
1: for brad in terms of dealing with players does kemba walker have to change his game at all from the guy that made him an all-star in charlotte to be effective here in boston
0: I don't think he has to change much. I mean, I I think he's going to be uh, a a driving kind of ball-dominant kind of guy that, that's going to try to work the ball around. I think some of the stuff that he did in Charlotte was out of necessity. We'll, we'll see if that's really, really true. Uh, there are times where he gave the ball up in Charlotte and it just ended up coming back to him because there are situations where the, the teammates that he had were like, now. It's your turn. You go. This year, he's going to have Jason Tatum, who I think is you know super confident in what he's being able to do this year. Gordon Hayward, I think, is is getting closer to the old Gordon Hayward. So those guys aren't going to be like, oh Kemba save us. Like there's going to be a more democratic kind of process in clutch situations. So when Kemba does pass it, he's going to have first of all better teammates where he's going to get maybe another assist or two per game and, and teammates who are willing to do some of the things that Kemba had to do. So I think, I don't think he's going to have to come in and make material changes to his game. I think some of the things that he has done will kind of, lead to some different results just by virtue of being on a better team
1: it is sports radio wei it is late night my name is patrick gilroy joining me in the line right now from masslive.com is john corrales you guys read his stuff masslive.com also check out the uh, locked on celtics podcast find him on twitter at reds army underscore john
0: You are Locked On Celtics, your daily Boston Celtics podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network.
1: John, you mentioned Gordon Hayward. Look, he's going into year three uh, with the Boston Celtics, really his first opportunity to make a legitimate impact on this team this year. You know, last year he had his ups and downs, more downs. Than ups, But all of the optimism uh sort of permeating throughout training camp is really it's really been overwhelming if you're a Gordon Hayward guy uh, to the point where Danny Ainge over the weekend sort of tried to tone it down a little bit and reset fans expectations because things have been coming out of training camp that are super optimistic uh, about the way that he has looked in scrimmages, the way that his teammates are talking about him. So, John, I mean, you tell me this guy was a 25 point a game score for Utah, a playoff Utah team, a very good Utah team. Their number one option and above the rim, get to the free throw line, really killer type mentality on the floor. Are you trying to tell us and our Celtics uh, beat guys and media guys trying to set fans expectations that Gordon Hayward legitimately uh, can return to that type of level right away this year?
0: Um, well, you say right away, uh, right, it, it's been two years. So right away is, is a long time from when he got hurt. Um, so, yeah, I think that there are a couple of signs that you look at and say, what are we going to get with Gordon Hayward? In that first preseason game, he attacked the basket. I think he had six uh, attempts at the rim which is something that he didn't do much last year. And that comes with confidence and uh, a a little bit of explosiveness. Uh, There was one time where he wanted to go up and dunk it, and he just didn't have the legs. And I think just being in that first basketball game, the guys were a little bit more winded than they expected. Um, But we're only getting short glimpses right now. Uh, They raised the... The shades, so we got to see, like, five minutes of scrimmage today. I saw Gordon Hayward, like, bring the ball up a couple times, but he was moving pretty fast, and he was really, really aggressive in trying to attack the rim. So, uh, yeah, the chorus of Gordon Hayward is back. has been loud. It's been kind of uh, like you said a little overwhelming got to take into account that Ennis Cantor is one of the guys that's been leading this charge and Ennis has been known to be a little bit over the top <laughs> with uh, the things that he said uh, in very much his WWE style. Sure. But, um, and even, even Ainge, well, you know, I was sitting there watching him say, you know, I want to temper the expectations, but Gordon's back to being Gordon Hayward. Well, by saying he's back to being Gordon Hayward, like you said in the setup here, he, he was a Western Conference All-Star, like a, a legitimate 25-point-a-game uh, scorer. Like, saying he's back to being Gordon Hayward is is not tempering expectations. It's raising them.
1: Exactly. So, and that's why I had you on the show tonight because, you know, there's a—, a let's face it, John, there's a certain group of Celtic media members that— that are card-carrying green teamers. And while you are certainly a Celtics guy, a Celtics fan, you're also a basketball purist. You probably, you know, I think that defines you best when it comes to your ability to objectively break things down. And you look at things uh, from a former player's point of view. We've talked about this before. So, you know, if you're comparing what you saw from Gordon Hayward in February or March of last year, is there a noticeable difference in your mind's eye uh, to what you're seeing right now?
0: Yeah, sure. I mean, like I said, the aggressiveness, the type of plays that he's trying to make. uh, I think in the beginning of last year, if we look just a full season ago where he was making drives specifically to make passes. And there was that little stretch where he was getting a few passes off and then defenses were realizing like, oh, he's not really driving to score. So he was starting his turnovers kind of went up early last season. Well, now he's driving to score. And that's, that's a big, big deal uh, because that opens everything up. And just the way he's attacking, it's just a little bit of different mentality than the way he was attacking last year. Like Towards the end, we saw some of it, I think, against the Indiana Pacers when Miles Turner dunked on him. And when he came down and tried to dunk on Miles Turner, like all of a sudden we were like, whoa, yeah, whoa, that, that, that's the old Gordon Hayward. Well, that mentality, that thing is starting to come back now. And he said like, he's been here all summer at the practice facility, and the confidence comes from repetition and building those habits. And he's had a summer full of repetition, uh, and injury-free, restriction-free. So he's, he's back to uh, at least somewhat of that mentality of go attack, uh, and everything will come off of playing aggressively, so we'll see we've got tiny bits of evidence. I see little tiny things we'll, now we 'll have to see see him put it together. Can he do the same thing against Orlando Orlando's a big team that protects the rim very well can he can he be just as aggressive? Going up against shot blockers and going into the trees, like that's the next little bit of evidence that we're going to see. But so far, the little bit of things that I've seen, yeah, I, I definitely see a different kind of Gordon Hayward.
1: And part of the challenge for me when callers call in and or friends, uh, you know, talk to me about the Celtics and what I expect of the Celtics this year, John, is that. You know, Gordon is still a bit of an unknown. So if Gordon takes that leap back to what he once was, and then the next two questions uh, are essentially the same question for two different guys. It's Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. Uh, they had been making steady progressions in their uh, in their progress year over year, and then last year it sort of got stagnant a little bit for the both of them. They didn't make their next step in their progression last year. Uh, you know, both guys look primed to take that leap this year. Jalen Brown's a guy that you know, like it or not, he's entering restricted free agency, and there's there's rumblings that he's looking for a hundred million dollar deal as he's seeing some of his uh, his uh, his draft class go out and acquire right now. So he's got to have that thing in the back of his mind. Jason Tatum clearly uh, walking around with a bit of that swagger. he's reminding me more and more of Paul Pierce on the court. That was his comp coming out of college watching him in game one of the exhibition schedule. I'm seeing. Some more of the reasons for that comparison with his ability to get to the rim and really finish strong at the rim, create that contact, and now the confidence to take that that three-pointer rather than drive in and take the bad two. There's something there with him where he looks like he's ready to take that next step into stardom. But these are my concerns because for the Celtics to max out their potential— Gordon Hayward's got to take a step back to what he was. And then Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum have to take the next step in their progression into stardom. And for all three of those things to go right during one NBA season, I feel like is kind of a big ask when you go back and you realistically look at teams, look at their question marks. How many of those question marks actually wind up panning out in a positive direction?
0: Yeah. I mean, this is, this is the time where everybody's super optimistic and, because it's it's early on. No one's gotten hurt. No one's gotten pissed off. None of these things have gone horribly wrong. Uh, all we have is positive things coming out of camps because most of it's positive. Like the negatives that, that have come out of camps so far, well, we saw like the bigs not play particularly well uh in the first preseason game, at, at least defensively. Everything else is kinda like rosy. So it's easy to go down that road of, well, yeah, today everybody's talking about Jason Tatum's maturity and confidence. And yeah, he looks like he's he's got that something there. And okay, now you start to project out can he be a 20 point a game scorer? Can he be 22, 23, 25 point a game scorer? Okay, yeah, sure, he can be. Kimball Walker can come in and be the third team all NBA guy. And Gordon Hayward can be back. And all of these things seem plausible. But like you said, it never works out. (laughs) The best case scenario never pans out. The best case scenario for these Boston Celtics can be pretty damn good because a Gordon Hayward that's back to Utah Gordon Hayward, a Tatum that takes a leap, Kemba that uh, that, that remains an all-NBA level type player, those three things alone make the Celtics tremendously dangerous. Um, Is it Clippers level dangerous? I don't think so, but like still a much bigger threat to come out of the East than most people think. But how many of those things last? At some point, somebody sprains an ankle. Somebody gets hit. Jalen Brown has a tendency to kind of have something happen to him every once in a while that it's maybe bad luck or whatever. Uh, Sometimes, like you mentioned, the contractual stuff. I mean, he's watching Jamal Murray get a $170 million extension. Now, Jalen says all the right things. He says, I'm just going to play basketball and let things fall where they may. I, If that's true, if he's actually telling the truth there, then great. That'll be great. But I I know if I was a 22-year-old with $170 million on the line, it'd be pretty damn hard for me to kind of put that aside <laughs> and say, oh, yeah, I'm just going to let the chips fall where they may. Like, no, I think there is going to be some chips out there that
1: you want to go grab right yeah you're right i mean that that's it's it's life changing money not only for your life but for uh your family's life your kid's life your grandkids life in one contract and you know again the nba is in a in sort of this this space where they're spending tremendous amounts of money right now eventually this thing comes in ebbs and flows he wants to cash in while the opportunity is there that has to be in the back of his mind
0: Follow us on our social channels at LO Celtics on Twitter and at Lockdown Celtics on Instagram.
1: Last one from me tonight, John, real quick, is you know, this taco fever taking over. And, and you know, <laughs> it, it was certainly a fun moment at the garden. And even more fun than him being introduced to the crowd was him coming in and having an impact, but lost sort of in the uh afterglow of, of taco fever was what I felt like was the surprise story of the game, and that was uh, Javante Green. I mean, it was a 26-year-old guy, rookie that played overseas, looked the part for a little while out there, 15 points, uh, the ability to finish explosively at the basket. But realistically, when you look at this team, you look at how many young guys, how many rookies, realistically, is this team going to carry? They've got a certain number that are first-round picks that they almost have to carry. So the space for a guy like Taco and a guy like Green... Realistically, I don't think both of those guys can make the final roster cut here. So, you know, who do you think out of those two has a higher NBA ceiling or is a more likely to make the Celtics big club out of the gate this year? Well,
0: I, I hesitate to overreact to Javante Green dunking all over the end of Charlotte's preseason bench. It was fun to watch, man. Um, it was fun to watch. It was amazing to watch. Like, I, I'll be honest. Like, that atmosphere in the Garden for preseason game number one, I've never experienced that before. For a preseason game, like the taco mania, and then to have Javante come in and dunk like he's you know prime Dominique Wilkins, like that's, that was just nuts to see. But uh, people get caught up in the flash. Uh, he, played, he played very well. No doubt he played very well. Uh, but, you know, he went through a summer league where he didn't have that that big an impact. He, played, he had some good moments there. Uh, I think Green is probably more destined to be a camp cut and then signed with the uh, main red clause. If he sticks with Boston. I mean, he may be a camp cut and, and he gets, you know, maybe the Abdel Nader kind of end of bench type of treatment somewhere and he, and he hooks on, but... I don't think he's he's destined to have this great. I could be wrong, but he's bounced around a little bit already. Uh, I, I would say he's probably not going to to make it. Um, I've heard some suggestions that people say, "Oh, you got to cut Brad Wanamaker." To no, the, the Celtics are are, are kind of short on ball handlers. They're not going to do that. Taco, I think, is more likely to make it. Uh, I I think. That people need to calm down. I think, you know, like part of this is like his name is Taco, so people are like, "Whoa, that's bizarre!" So they get latched onto that, and then obviously he's seven and a half feet tall, so people are very curious about that. He came in and, and did a couple of nice things again in a very garbage time against a garbage team situation. Uh, I think Taco is more likely to stay if they can maybe maneuver the end of their bench and give him at least an opportunity to go down to the red claws and, and just try some things out. He, he does some things well, especially for his size. He moves better than you would think a guy that size moves. He's not like Boban Marjanovic, who is kind of clunky when he moves. He, but you also saw in that game that if he, if he doesn't get the ball like right at the basket – he can't put the ball on the floor. He, he you just rush him. He's going to turn the ball over. So there's some serious limitations to Taco. Uh, I hate to be the guy that kind of reigns on that parade. No, do it,
1: do it because you I, know, I, I, I came in tonight, John, and I said to my producer, Joe, I said, "Do you know how hard it is to be a seven foot five basketball prospect and go undrafted? You know, through two rounds of the draft, that is a very difficult thing to do."
0: Right. Like he didn't like d- does anybody remember what UCF did? No, because they didn't do anything. <laughs> like they weren't a good team. And it's sure he can grow as a player um and people love him as a person, like to a man. Everybody on that team, they just love Taco cuz he's a genuinely like nice guy. Like he is very easygoing about everything. He kind of rolls with their Everybody asks him the same dumb questions that you ask a seven and a half foot tall guy. Oh, what size shoe do you wear? Oh, do you have to duck every time you walk through a door? Yeah, no. Yeah, of course he does. Seven and a half feet tall. Like he he wears a ridiculous size shoe, but he graciously answers those questions. He's out there really trying to work hard. He's legitimately trying to work hard. And he really does have an emphasis about working in his community, wherever that is. He really wants to give back like charity and community is a big deal to him. So, all of this is a means to an end for him. He wants to have that great career because he wants to, he wants to give back. And so you can't help, but find yourself rooting for the guy. But the reality is seven and a half foot guy has, has things that make him unique and, and great as far as like park him in the lane and he'll block some shots and he will immediately deter people from driving. And he'll have like the dunk without jumping type of thing. But he just by virtue of being that tall, it's hard for him to slide. It's hard for him to maneuver himself. He doesn't move, he moves well for his size, but he still doesn't move quite as well as you might need a center to move. He's obviously not stretching the floor. And like I said, he can be turnover prone because you forget seven and a half feet tall. He's going up against big, strong guys. A 6'10 guy can get low, can get below his center of gravity and just push him out three, four feet, and then he catches the ball at a spot where he can't do anything. And like I said, he can't dribble, he can't drive, he, so he has to just pass it up, and he, he starts to become a a little bit more of a, a negative on the floor than he does a positive. He's great situationally. I think he might have a spot at the end of a bench where you bring him in to guard an inbounds pass to protect the rim in certain weird situations. But I, I just want to temper the expectations for taco. Like he, he also may not even make this team. So we need to kind of like get that in our heads. He's not going to be a starter. He's not going to be a rotation guy. Um, the, if anything, the best case scenario is end of bench, they give him a chance to really have a full season so they can see how he reacts to a, a significant amount of NBA or close to that level
1: basketball. All right, John Corrales, I appreciate you staying up late with us. And uh, look, they're only one game into their preseason schedule here. So we got, we got a yeah, right. long way to go, but it's going to be a lot of fun. I'm looking forward to uh, hearing you again here on the program sometime soon, Johnny. You got it. Thanks as always to Patrick
0: Gilroy. Now that the season's back, we start making more radio appearances. So that's going to be fun. I always enjoy getting on the radio and talking a little bit, whether it's uh, the local stations, EEI or the sports hub, or some of the other stations that I will uh, appear on in Maine or whatever it is. So check out again, Patrick Gilroy, Gilroy on hoops. And you can follow me on Twitter at Reds Army underscore John. If for some reason you don't follow the show at LO Celtics on Twitter, Locked On Celtics on Instagram, you can always send us a message at either one of those places. You can also leave a voicemail 617 221 6010. 617 221 6010. Friday show, I think I'm going to start uh, adding some of those voicemails here. I've gotten a few messages. So for the Friday show, I will answer or respond to some of the messages and comments that were left there so if you want to leave one 617-221-6010 get on that voicemail line give us a good written review on iTunes if you can give us a 5 star rating wherever that's available that always helps us out a bit and share the podcast, tell everybody listen to the Lockdown Celtics Podcast here on the Lockdown Podcast Network